0: Welcome to the This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to christopherkai.com. Our guest today is John Austinson. He's the CEO and partner at Franbridge Capital and the author of The Franchise Path. John, welcome back to our
1: show. Christopher, appreciate you having me again. Look forward to catching up.
0: So first, I want to just highlight the fact that you're in Atlanta. I love Atlanta. It's actually the first Southern state that I visited 20 years ago. I'm from New York City, Buenos Aires. So since we have listeners from all around the world, literally from 92 countries, if they were to come to the US, they often know about LA and New York and San Francisco, blah, 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 right? But I really do love Atlanta. So what's one thing you would most want to share with the listeners if they were to come to Atlanta?
1: You know, Atlanta is a city with a lot of different identities, but overarching, we are a city of Southern charm uh, here in the heart of the South, uh, but very modern and progressing and uh, a major city with still that small town touch uh, to a degree. To a degree, that's changing quickly, but uh, just great people and would love to have anyone come business.
0: And the two things that I most love about Atlanta was the food was phenomenal, literally world class, as well as the convenience where the Atlanta airport, I mean, I think they actually have the most traffic airport in the world. So those are the two things where it's a, definitely a, a, a beautiful city. And those that are foodies, you have some of the best food that I've ever tried in the world. So I was super impressed.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, fantastic transportation and uh, the airport's definitely led to a lot of the growth. And uh, we see a lot of, especially in the times we're in right now, seeing people move here from other places. Um, there's a lot to offer.
0: Yeah. So let's dive into your book. I I know that it's coming out soon, but so the whole franchise thing, I had a client, he had a, a portfolio of restaurants and so he had an entire conglomerate of Papa John's and, and other types of franchise. And I thought at the time I worked with him about 10 years ago, he was about $200 million in portfolio, but what, fascinated me john about the franchise system Now i don't know if you do with restaurants but we'll get to that obviously shortly but what fascinated me and i encourage the viewers it's like one of those things where if you want to be an entrepreneur and if you don't feel like you're the most creative person perhaps even though we all are it's one of those great ways where when you franchise it really is a a great path to have your own company but without creating all the foundations that you might have so again for instance my Client had multiple Papa John's, and he would have other people essentially franchising their brand, but they don't have to think about how to promote. They don't have to think about all these various things. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, John, why did you choose to get into this whole franchise world?
1: Franchising is one of the best known secrets out there. And you, you know, you'd mentioned the food space. I personally deal largely with non-food franchises. You know, people don't largely think of Subway and McDonald's when they think of franchises. But I work with several hundred brands that really hit a lot of other industries that people don't typically think of, whether it be fitness, health and wellness, uh, uh, home services, child-related, senior-related, uh, all sorts of businesses, a lot of B2B services businesses that people never think about. They're spaces they have an interest in. They love a lot of the dynamics around it. But instead of sitting around trying to come up with that next great app or idea why don't you buy into a proven system where you're able to not only generate really strong returns year over year but at the end you've built an asset that has a very strong exit value so i really find it interesting especially because my background's the corporate world and i work with a lot of corporate types that are either looking to make the jump into business ownership and they want something that's a little less risky or they're looking to diversify their investments and looking for a little side gig where they put in 15 hours a week and they can start building something on the side that's pretty substantial. So um, you know, the, some of the things I love about franchising, like I said, it's a proven system. You can generate outstanding returns. You've got a coach on the sidelines in that or You essentially have a peer group with all these other franchise owners that all have aligned incentives with you. And it's a proven model. Like you said, a lot of the marketing collateral and the uh, the, the different testing has been done out there. So you're not having to uh, to do it all on your own dime. So uh, typically it's fairly turnkey. Uh, every franchise system is different, but largely this day and age, uh, just a great support system to really launch uh, those interested in business ownership.
0: Oh, and I want to stress the what you said about the whole proven model, because like I said, it's very, 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 very challenging to start any company, frankly, but we have this proven track record. So just in case our listeners don't know, you mentioned that, Outside the food business, there are many franchises. If you could just share some, like just one very specific example of a franchise that we might not know about, but does very, very well for itself and its franchisees.
1: One comes to top of mind is a deal I did just a couple weeks ago with a client who was a 40-year-old wealth manager, had done fairly well, but he wanted to move into uh, business ownership. And he just fell in love with this concept. And this concept has just been on fire. It's called Smash My Trash. And the uh, premise behind it, it's a big old truck with a crane arm on the back and a roller at the end. It goes to dumpsters and smashes down the waste and debris to about one third of the original size, thus saving saving two out of three trips to landfill. The returns that it is generating, there's a lot of smart money behind this one, are really, I mean, it's plus 50% EBITDA margin. Um, and you know it's heavy, heavily capitalized. I, I go on and on about it, but that's just an example of something you would never think about that falls within the franchising realm.
0: Fascinating. And I'm curious, how large is the franchising market? Is it primarily more of a U.S. thing, or is it a global thing?
1: it's a global thing i'll be speaking on a uh, podcast over in india here in a few days uh very uh, worldwide obviously the us is leading the way in the, in a lot of the different sectors within franchising and and you know we have that entrepreneurial spirit as a country but uh no we continue to see franchise uh franchising grow uh, at a significant rate you know during covid you know obviously we hit pause there for a month or two but then we really saw a ramp up um and, and the interest is just doubling every month right now we're really seeing a lot of interest, uh, whether it be those that lost their jobs, and they said, Hey, I don't want to go interview for another role, or Hey, I've now had time to sit back and reflect on the path I'm on. Maybe now's the time I look into this. So, um, no, continue to see great growth across the board.
0: That's awesome, John. So I have self-published five books and people often ask me, hey, Christopher, why did not you go through an agency and then a, a traditional publisher? And, and, I, and I looked at the math at the time. I mean, this is literally 20 years ago. And with a traditional publisher, you have to get an agent and you give them 10%. And then the agent has to pitch you to a publisher and then take 90%. And then they might take your manuscript and they might promote it and they might publish it in a year. But the, the chances of you actually being published in a traditional fashion is just so nil and so minuscule that when I looked at the actual facts, I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time going to a publisher traditionally or agent. Not to say they don't have value, but it's massively changed. And so for me, it was crystal clear. I actually do make money for my books because I'm a speaker. It's a certainty. So what I'm saying for you is if you look at a person that wants to start their own business on one end, let's say the Mm -hmm. traditional way, John, and then you have the franchise. If you can paint the very, very clear picture about why someone might pursue the franchise path as opposed to the traditional path. Because like I said, in the book world, it's literally hands down. I I wouldn't even bother unless I had a very strong leverage point to say, Hey, this is the advance I want. Are you gonna me number one bestseller in New York times? If not, don't talk to me. So for you, tell us again, the very clear contrast between a traditional way to start a business and the tra- tra- franchise way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No. And a lot of it comes down to trial and error. So, uh, you know, within a franchise system, you're buying into a, uh, system that you've got technology already figured out and set up for you. You've got a team at that home office of marketing people and operations people that will help train your team. And so really your biggest job as a franchise owner is coming in, recruiting a team, and then managing that team and following the system. Whereas if you were to start a business on your own, then you're stepping into having to test and figure out the hard way everything. So you're able to get up and running a lot faster. And yes, you're buying into the business, but again, you're, you're not buying a job, you're building an asset because the return that you get when you exit that business at the end, five years, seven years down the road, should be substantially more than what you initially pay for it. So um, ultimately it comes back to the math. And, and what I find is as I educate those uh, out in the market, when they understand the types of returns they're able to generate through franchising, it uh, really gets a lot of interest.
0: Now that's a great point, John. And I, from at least the food standpoint, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's like three to 5% relative to the revenues they generate? Like, let's say if you're a McDonald's franchise or Papa John's, is it similar to the non-food type stuff where you're not taking, they're not taking a massive chunk, but they're taking a a few percentage? What's like the range for franchisees who have to give back to the actual uh, parent company?
1: Yeah, when you look at the royalties and you look at uh, typically a a national marketing fund you would contribute to, you you fall in that five to eight percent of revenue range. And so it can be a substantial number. Now, I've been a franchisor, I've been on that side of the house, I've run a national franchise system. And what I've seen is those royalties go for me, to me, paying for my team. I'm not making a lot of money off that royalty. It's keeping the lights on, it's hiring good talent to support our franchise owners. Um, And so you really, as a franchise owner, you need to look at it as an investment. It is, uh, again, everything's been tested out, but you're also getting the support on the back end, so you're not having to hire as many people on your team. So it's just trade off between buckets. Um and so no, but I do ask clients of mine. So I work both on the investment side where my partners and I own several franchise systems ourselves. And then I also work, like I said, with a couple hundred franchise uh brands out there and I help candidates match up to these brands, essentially acting as an executive recruiter and brokering those deals. Um and so I always encourage my clients, make sure you ask the franchise or the tough questions, ask what kind of support you're getting, what are you getting for this royalty that you're paying? And any good one should be able to give you a good answer.
0: That's great advice, John. How can our guests eventually read your book and connect with you, John?
1: Absolutely. So my uh, email address is john at franbridge.com. I'm sorry, Um Got about six or seven email addresses, but john, H at franbridgecapital.com. I'm sure you'll have in the notes, Christopher. Yeah, would love to, uh, to share a copy of my book. It will be coming out in the next uh, five to six weeks, it is done. It's literally just uh, getting it out there. So um, excited about that. Uh, it's actually a fictional book uh, that uh, teaches a lot of principles about franchising. And uh, like I said, if there's any interest in business ownership through franchising, would be happy to jump on the phone and have the conversation. Um, I'm passionate about it, as you can tell.
0: Great, John. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to our Gifters podcast. If you want to turn your story into a successful speaking or coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com for details.